Hello and welcome to another unexciting episode of the Hashtag Pistons Podcast. I am Joe, I am still your host. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore truck. You can read me right about the Detroit Pistons on hashtag basketball.com. You can also read me right about them on Piston Powered. You can read me right about the Grand Rapids Drive on Palace of Pistons. That season starts this weekend, actually, so that coverage will start very soon. And also, of course, you can read me on my own site, truckthoughts.com. I'm joined again today by Kuka Hill. You can find him on Twitter at Kuka Hill NBA. You can read him at Piston Powered and also read him at my site, truckthoughts.com. Um, so obviously we do have a game last night. So this is we're recording this the night of, actually, right about 11 p.m. So very close in the aftermath, but this will be going up in the morning, of course. So we do have a game to talk about, but before we do, there's one thing I want to touch on a sec, okay? All right, Koo, I'm going to do a quick um, uh, player comparison, okay? So I'm just going to read off, going to read off a stat line, then I'll read off another stat line, all right? Player A, we've got 14 points per game, 5 assists against 1.3 turnovers, Shooting 38.5% from the field. Overall, 26.3% from three. That is good for a true shooting percentage of 64%. Okay? And then player B, if I get back over to it here, it's going to be 12 points per game. True shooting percentage of 49%. With, um, where do you go now? With 6.9 assists against 1.2 turnovers per game. Which one of those two would you take, Koo? Player A or player B? Um, player A. You're going to take player A there? Koo, why are you going to take player A there? Um, I got to be honest, Joe. I don't know if I remember exactly the, the, uh, all of the stats you said, but I remember the true shooting percentage being 62, so. The true shooting percentage was actually, of player A, the true shooting percentage was 46. Uh, what was 62? Uh, I don't know what 62 was. I hope I didn't say 62. If I did, that was wrong. Player A's yeah. true shooting percentage <laughs> is 46. Player B's is 49. Okay, I'll take player B. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Koo, guess who player A and player B is? Oh, my God. Guess. Koo, guess. Koo, guess who player A is? I already know what this is. Oh, who's player A, Koo? Why why are you doing this to me, man? Ya boy, Derrick Rose. You chose GF Teague over Derrick Rose. Because if you recall, we set the bar for Derrick Rose being successful as being better than Jeff Teague. And as you also recall, this is not Mike Budenholzer, Atlanta Jeff Teague. This is living in his mom's basement in Minnesota Jeff Teague. And you, in a blind blind test, you took Jeff Teague over Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose is shooting 26% from three, Koo. That's not good. He's true shooting percentage (laughs) is freaking 46%. Ish Smith is embarrassed yeah, he, by that true shooting percentage, Koo. Now, now, Joe, that, that's fair. He's 
He's been struggling from the he's field. He's been terrible. He's not struggling no, he's from been, the field. No, he's awful. No, he's been well. No, outside of that, he's been playing pretty. And well he doesn't play time. defense. That's that's a different argument for Coo, a different day. I'm sorry, Koo. You you picked you picked Jeff Teague over Derrick Rose. So we've now established him. <clears throat> Derrick Rose. There's a trash can over in the corner of my room. Let me just toss something over there. Not, no, Joe, Derrick Rose. Oof. Hey, I hit it, which means I am better than Derrick Rose because I hit a shot. Okay, we're going to go right into this. Um, <laughs> I've had that set up all day. I've had those stats open just waiting for this moment, Koo. I'm going to be honest. Um, uh, um, well, Joe, I'm sure you did. You get that kind of uh, joy out of those kind of things. <laughs> oh, I do. I do. Well, you came on this podcast. You said, when Derrick Rose plays well, I'm going to come on and tell you about it. So I decided, now, you Joe, know what? Now, Derrick Rose okay. has been hot, hot, so before, gar- before we continue with garbage, this, before, before hot we, we garbage. Podcast, I had to tell our listeners, if you haven't watched the Timberwolves play all year, Go follow a couple of the Timberwolves riders and just, and just follow what they've been saying. Derrick Rose is struggling from the field, but he's brought a good spark for them off the bench. He's like brought a, game, a good 11, spark? Last, last game, he had 11-7-7. He made a his coup. first two shots from the game, and then he went ice cold a and coup. missed his next eight. A coup. You know what those sparks are? They're from the ball hitting the rim and psh, and sparks fly. Joe, Clunk, there's nothing psh, you can say to me right now that you're saying anything. Them pistons. Hot garbage. Okay. Trash. Uh, okay, so this is in fact. I guess I have to be the host from now on. This is in fact a Pistons podcast. And the Pistons did play a game. And, uh, you know, I decided that Ku was having a rough time with this game as admittedly was I it was not a it was pretty it was a real bummer that it ended the way it did not necessarily just that the Pistons lost but that they literally screwed up an inbounds pass very frustrating but um I said that I wanted to kick Koo while he was down and I couldn't resist so yeah Joe didn't make this any better yeah so here we go we have the second straight game against the Boston Celtics final score Celtics 108 Pistons 105 uh, just for a few stat lines. So for the Celtics, uh, the big news is that Kyrie Irving finally got going, which it's a bummer it had to happen against the Pistons, but that was going to happen at some point. Kyrie finished with 31 points on, oh my goodness, just 20 shot equivalents. That is highly efficient. Five assists, two turnovers. Um, no one else on the Celtics really had a particularly notable stat line. Marcus Morris had 15 points. Um, Jalen Brown had 16 um, yeah, that's pretty much the most, uh, Jason Tatum, sorry, Tatum had 16, Jalen Brown had 14, um, for the Pistons, Blake Griffin got back to, on his, on his groove a little bit, scored 24 points, three assists, uh, Reggie Bullock finally found a few three-pointers in this one, 16 points, uh, Stanley Johnson, we'll talk about him later, Andre Drummond, 17 points, 12 rebounds, off the bench, Ish Smith had 13 points, Reggie Jackson did not play in the fourth quarter at all of this game. We're not sure. I haven't seen anything. I was keeping an eye on my Twitter. Um, Koo, maybe if you could check to see if there's been anything said about that yet yeah, or not. Yeah, we'll check right now. Um, if there's, like, a serious injury with him or if it was purely a strategic thing that Dwayne Case just said not to put him back in 
or if it was just a little thing like, oh, he just, you know, maybe he had an asthma attack or something, because I know that um, Reggie Jackson does have asthma, so who knows what it would be. But he didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, it came down to a rough a rough finish for sure. Uh, the Pistons sort of clawed their way back into it, and they were starting to foul. Ishmith hit a three-pointer. They foul Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum comes back down. He hits both free throws. Pistons are down by three points with, what was it, like 14, 13 seconds left, something like that. And Blake Griffin inbounds the ball to Ishmith, and they just miss it. And Kyrie Irving gets the ball. And that pretty much ends the game. So, you know, it's not necessarily just that the Pistons lost, but to lose in that fashion, very, very, very frustrating. And lastly, this loss does drop the Pistons to 4-2 and two on the season. So, yeah, Koo, you can go ahead and sort of give your general thoughts on the, on the game here. Uh, yeah, well, I just looked up. Uh, I went and looked at Rod's Twitter, Vince's Twitter, looked up Reggie Jackson. I have, I don't see any kind of update on him at okay. all right now. So, so. hopefully um, by the time this comes out in the morning, there's been some sort of an update about, you know, what exactly is going on there. But regardless, for now when we're recording this, there has been nothing. So Yeah, so, well, outside of that, um, you know, this game really hurt. It stung because, like Joe said, we fought all the way back. And there was many times that we could have just rolled over. We got down by, I believe, 14 and a third. And we clawed back and made it a three-point. Actually, we had it at a one-point game in the fourth. And then Celtics called timeout, came out, scored like seven straight. But we kept fighting and it ended up going down the way it had. It, it really hurt. But um, a couple of things I just want to hit on real quick. Uh, Joe hit on this earlier. Reddy Jackson uh, he didn't play the whole fourth quarter. That's... I I, it's, I don't want to make it sound like I'm hoping he's hurt. That, that better be the reason why he wasn't in there because I don't see why Reddy Jackson is not down there in the fourth, especially with Jose Calderon being in there, how much he was. And then um, also Bruce Brown really uh, showed me something tonight. He had 10 points off the bench, 4 of 7 shooting. He had a, uh, he had a nice block, and I, I believe uh, – Jalen Brown down low. Really I got good that block. in a clip. That's going to be in the film review, baby. Yeah, he that was a really good block. I think you heard him. Uh, if you're watching oh, yeah. the game, you can hear Give him. Give me that shit. The mic. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, Bruce Brown had a really good game tonight. I think uh, I was saying how much I love the fact that he was moving off ball. He was cutting the rim when it was open. Pisses need some players like that that would do that. Reggie Bullock's pretty good cutting the rim. I wish Stanley did more of it, but Bruce Brown – we're bringing the piss and something good off the bench, and he's pretty good defense. Not pretty good. I think he's already pretty, like really good at defensively. But yeah, outside of the, I'm trying not to attack the point that we want to get into later. I'm just trying to pick, like pick apart little things around it. But yeah, I'm a little confused about Jose Calderon seeing the floor at all. Um, Glenn Robinson saw a little time out there today, 11 minutes. But I think I saw I saw him make a couple defensive mistakes. And I think he got the cord plugged after that. I'm not sure if that's why. Maybe he's just not going to play a lot in this. But I saw him make, like, two defensive mistakes. That may have been why he came out. But, yeah, outside of that, I mean, it was a close game. Pistons fought hard. Heartbreaker to lose, especially the way we did lose it. But it is what it is. We'll move on to Brooklyn tomorrow and hopefully handle our business. Okay. So I think the first thing we'll talk about there, um, Jose Calderon getting some minutes. And, you know, I would – I'm not sure why. No, it's funny because we talked about 
on the last podcast just how bad Langston Galloway has been this season. But even with that said, I'm not sure that I how I feel about Calderon getting minutes over Galloway. Uh, just because I'm look once again, Langston Galloway is going to start hitting shots at some point, and when that happens, we're going to be really happy to have him on the floor. And especially once again against a team that deploys so many big long players that the Celtics do. I mean, they play other than Kyrie Irving, they play with great size on everywhere but their big positions. Quite frankly, uh, the entire game, their entire rotation is so. I'm not sure what the thought process is there, but to be fair, uh, even though he didn't do anything of particular note, he only scored two points, only took two shots, but he didn't look terrible. Uh, He had a few possessions where he was asked to defend quite a bit, and he did all right. Uh, He sort of did his thing on offense, just sort of moved the ball, provided spacing sort of thing. So I'm still, I'm not sure why you play him over Lanks and Galloway, but he didn't look terrible is what I'm saying. So I'm not going to worry too much about that. I mean, Langston didn't play, and it seemed like a lot of those minutes went to Bruce Brown. I would have been fine just giving Jose's minutes to Bruce Brown then. I just didn't like seeing – I mean, I, I I guess he didn't play terrible. I just would really – I don't think that Jose should ever really see the floor unless it's an injury. I'm just not a fan of him being out there. Okay. And, I mean, honestly, that is fair. Once again, I'd, I'd rather play Galloway. I just wanted to be – well, to be fair about the situation, yeah. it's not like okay. And this is this is good news for the Pistons is that um, because Calderon has gotten some minutes in the early going here, and he looks pretty clearly like he's not going to be a a uh, he's not going to be a oh man uh, a Steve Blake or a crap. Steve Blake. Last year, last year, I'm totally blanking on his name. The point guard Stan Van Gundy brought in, who used to play point guard for Orlando, who was Jameer Nelson. Yeah, he's not going to be a Steve Blake. He's not going to be a Jameer Nelson. Nelson. Yeah, where just comes in and it is immediately and abundantly clear that they just do not have anything left in the tank. And from the limited, admittedly, it is limited, but from the minutes Calderon has played, it looks like that's not going to be the case. He can still move a little bit. He didn't get utterly cooked on defense every time he got out there. So that is good news. So if there are injuries that force Calderon into some minutes at some point this season, which probably will happen at some point, um, at least for a couple of games, it looks like he's going to be able to maybe at least not get killed, which is nice. Um, You did talk about Bruce Brown too, and that's a, that's another interesting one. So he did get some time. Obviously, in the first game, he started with Stanley Johnson and Reggie Bullock out. Uh, since then, he hasn't really played much. This is his first. It's probably the first like minutes that he's really won. I suppose it would be the first way to put it. And yeah, like you said, he looked he looked good. I'm not I'm not sure how his how that sort of an offensive game is going to last over much time because he just sort of managed to find holes in the defense and and exploit them. And the reality is that once that sort of gets on teams' radars, it gets harder to take them by surprise like that. And it is worth noting, so he only went 0 for 2 from deep in this game, but Bruce Brown, when that dude shoots threes, he doesn't just miss. He misses badly. And... <laughs> I'm not sure that, 
you know, that's people are going to just totally ignore him. And so if they if they pay a little better attention to not let him get easy points in the paint off of cuts and such, he could become a very much nothing on offense very quickly. But like you said, he really looked impressive defensively. That guy can defend already as a rookie and he's he's like twenty three, I think, so he's not your typical rookie. He does foul a little bit too much, but yeah, he made some really nice defensive plays in this game. He had the block on Jalen Brown, which was really impressive. And yeah, so I'm not sure, you know, when you sort of look big picture, I'm still not sure how many minutes I want him to have this season just because I think that he, even though it didn't really happen tonight, I think on the whole he's going to be hugely detrimental to your offense right now until he gets a little more polish. But he can certainly defend, and if he manages to sort of just find ways, whether it's through those cuts like that or whatever, if he just sort of finds ways to contribute something on offense, he's not a total zero because of his defense. And that is good for a guy who, you know, he was a second-round pick. When you have a second-round pick who looks like he can play at all, that's that's usually a win for you. So, yeah, you yeah, get a, and, yeah and, go ahead. Yeah, and his, and his fairness, uh, I'm not trying to say – now, like, I'm going to say this, and people are going to be like, oh, here we go. You're just leading the bandwagon. I'm not saying that he's, like, some star or something, but in fairness, he had, like, a couple, not a couple, maybe, like, two drives. I know he had one on fast break when he just sped around whoever it was on the, on the wing and had a nice reverse layup. He just missed it, but it looked like something he could he could have finished. It just looks like he, he looked really comfortable today. Well, That's what I'm looking for. He looked, he looked well, he, like, the first game, he looked hesitant to do just about anything on offense other than just stand around. And then on defense, he followed a lot. and just looked like he was really nervous. And this game right here, he just looked like he was much more calm, under control, and understood what he was out there for and, and kept his composure. I do agree and, yeah, with I, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I will say, so, no, he did have the one, he had one drive that he actually finished, that he sort of drove to the hoop and he got a layup on, which was cool. But with the other one... Missing layups is not that's not out of character for him when you look at the his summer league this past summer. Then even in his time at Miami in college, uh he is not a great finisher at the hoop. And well the thing I see, I see that from just from watching him from the summer league and preseason, etc. But the, I say this: he is a, he, he's one of those people who isn't afraid from going into the into somebody. He's a person who tries to go through strong finishes, contested finishes. He tries to get a lot of body with it, possibly get to the free throw line. So while he's not, you say he's not a very good finisher, which is very well true. He does. He's very aggressive. I can see that paying for him down the line as getting to the free throw line, just to getting people in a foul trouble. Because he's very aggressive when he gets to the basket. Oh, I agree with you. Finisher. I agree with you totally there. I really like his mentality that he seems to bring to offense. And once again, a lot of this is going off of his play in the summer league because that's where yeah. we've seen him play the most. But he is very he's fearless in attacking the hoop. Just this is what I mean by I think he may need more polish before he gets really regular playing time because I think most games once again, even if you go off of the summer league, okay, the summer league is not full of NBA players and, you know, NBA rim protectors or NBA defenders, and he regularly was sort of driving into the paint and then just sort of running out of space and not able to finish looks. So I think if you were to look big picture, 
he will have if he continues to get minutes, I guess. I would I would guess that he's going to continue to really struggle to finish inside and he clear he clearly needs to work on his shot a lot, like his outside shot. Once again, he's not just missing like they should give hard hats out to the people sitting courtside when that dude shoots. That's how badly he's missing. But Yeah. So I do really like his mentality. I really like his potential for the future, and I don't mind him getting some minutes because he can play defense. But I do think just when you look f- sort of bigger picture, I think he's going to struggle to be worth anything on offense because his ball handling is clearly not to the point where he's ready to you know sort of take on some point guard role, which is something they think he may be able to do in the future. And I just I he's he he misses too many layups, even though he didn't tonight. Sorry, you're trying to say something. Go ahead. No, I was just asking like, and everybody listening, you guys heard ask him, so you guys heard this, but a couple times I tried asking you, Joe. Oh, it it cut out. I'm sorry, you were cutting out a little. No, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. But uh, do you think he's gonna see minutes tomorrow? I mean, Dwayne Casey's been a little bit. he's He's been a little bit unpredictable with his rotations so far. So, it's tough to say. I Once again, I would probably lean towards giving those minutes to Langston Galloway at this point, even though, once again, he's played really poorly this season, but he's going to start to hit shots at some point. So, I'd probably lean towards giving those minutes to Langston Galloway and Glenn Robinson, but I wouldn't be shocked if he played some more. Once again, and we talked about this right at the start of the season. Dwayne Casey loves guys who can defend. That's where he puts the most value on. And very clearly, Bruce Brown can defend. So he's going to have a chance to play this season. And that's the reason why he has already. So I'm not going to say whether or not I think he's going to play tomorrow night, or I suppose when this comes out, whether or not he's going to play tonight, just because of the fact that Dwayne Casey's been pretty unpredictable with his wing rotation so far this season. But I certainly wouldn't be surprised if he does. And especially while Luke Kennard's hurt, I wouldn't be surprised if he got some more minutes um, going forward just because, once again, Dwayne Casey really puts a lot of value on the defensive end of the floor. And very clearly, Bruce Brown can defend. I basically, I'm just questioning, I'm questioning whether or not he's going to be able to get this sort of production on offense very regularly. I think more often than not, he's going to be a total zero on offense, which no matter how good you are defensively, if you are a total zero on offense, that's gonna be that's gonna be tough to to make that work. So yeah. Alright. Um yeah. Um next thing, you know, we're just gonna go at it right now. Um Stanley Johnson's play. What did you think of Stanley Johnson's <laughs> play, Koo? Okay, so I saw a lot of people tweeting about it. Uh Stanley, Stanley just hurts my heart, man. It just, he, it just hurts my heart. Cause I thought that he was, it's like originally I thought he was playing a really good game. He had, he was one for five from three, and you know he has to shoot better. It just has to happen, obviously, and he can't shoot one for five. But outside of that, I thought he was playing a really good game. He had a couple, he had that one good offensive rebound and came in and scored. He had a couple good drives to the rim, a couple good passes. I thought he was playing, and, and of course, I, I, I didn't mention this guy. I thought this was just, like, obvious, and you're always going to get this. But he continues to just play amazing defense on Tatum, on Brown, 
on on even Horford. Horford tried pushing up one time, just got absolutely stopped, and he wasn't he wasn't going anywhere. So like Stanley on the defensive end is just he's he's very clearly our best defender, and he's he's showing it. And I thought on the offensive end he was just playing a really good game, and so like <laughs> he had six turnovers at the end, and it was just. That that can't happen. I mean, Blake had five. We, me, and you kind of touched on this before the pod started, but Blake had five. Reggie had a couple in his limited time. I mean, he wasn't the only one who was turning the ball over, but six times for someone who's not as good offensively as you know the other people that are going to be on the court, you can't be turning the ball over six times. Then also, that's that's the negative there. But you know, there was a couple of times he got to the rim, and he's a strong guy, dude. Like. When you get to the rim like that, I understand that I believe that one of his best attributes is passing. But when you get that close to the rim and you're just, like, right there, instead of just, like, I understand you think that he's, like, contesting your shot, but you're strong. Just go up with it and maybe get to the free throw line. Either or may just be a bad a bad decision to go up with it or pass it. You may just not be that good of, good at either of those at the rim to where both of them are just going to be negative. But I'd rather take my chances with him going up, attempting to try to go for a foul or just finish a layup then a couple of these play, uh, uh, passes he had at the end of the game. He had one when he tried to bounce it to Andre. Now, you could argue that Andre needs to be stronger there and catch it, but it was tipped away out of bounds. And then he had another one. When I see what he's trying to do, he's trying to just hand it off to Andre, but he just throws it out of bounds. And he's, like, right underneath the rim at both of these. So I'd rather just see him go up for the, go up for the layup instead of getting those turnovers. And then, of course, he does his, his annual travel there at the end of the game that he I've probably seen him do about 30 times in his career. I've seen him do the exact same travel over and over. But, you know, outside of that, I just thought that he was – it's hard because everyone's going to remember that. Those are the things people are going to know and, and remember from this game. And I just thought that outside of that, he was just playing a really good game, and it sucks that he had to turn the ball over that much. Cause I really thought he was playing pretty well. Radical idea here that I'm about to present. I had absolutely no issues with Stanley Johnson's game tonight. Um, obviously, you'd prefer him not to turn it over so much, but here's the thing, okay? So, six turnovers. He also had four assists. Those four assists were not wimpy assists. Like, none of them were, I don't think. They were but plays where he attacked and he created that assist. Oh, like, yeah. They that were one fully his. That one to Andre at the end of the game when as soon as Blake hit him and he was just running to the basket and he just touched past it yeah. immediately to Andre, that was just a, that was a beauty. Yeah, abs- just absolutely lovely. And actually, I got a clip of that, so that'll be in the film review. But Yeah. Right? And all of his turnovers, other than that, the travel, all of his turnovers were also aggressive, where he was trying to make a play. And guess what? You don't beat a defense like this Celtic defense without being aggressive and trying to force your way into making plays. And it's a bummer that a couple of them, a couple too many went the wrong way in this one. But you need that. You need someone who's going to be willing to just attack the defense. And the other thing is, the Pistons are not in this game if Stanley Johnson is not playing defense like he was. Like, just simply Uh put, they're nowhere close in this game. That dude has been so far and away the Pistons' best defender, it's not even funny. Literally coming away from this game, and it's not just because because it's a cliche to go, well, he was plus nine, which was by far the best pl- best on the team. Um, that's not even the reason why. 
there is an argument that he was their best player in this game, and that's not even it. It's just he was so good defensively. So, like, Blake Griffin, bless his heart, that dude is so terrible at closing out onto shooters. <laughs> like, it is just, it's baffling, honestly. There's no other way to put it. It is baffling. I don't think I've ever seen someone this bad at closing out onto shooters. He can't, it's not just like, well, he's slow to rotate over or, like, he's slow to rotate over, but then if they pump fake, he goes flying past into the freaking stands every time. No exceptions at all. And, <laughs> like, like no. <laughs> I mean, once again, Blake played a good game. I was pretty impressed by him in this game. It was good to see him bounce back. But his defense is so miserable on those, on those closeouts. His defense is pretty solid in a lot of other areas. But closing out onto shooters, and in particular where he has to make a couple of rotations first, which you have to do against a team that passes like this Celtics team does, he just gets utterly obliterated. He just blows it every single time. I don't think that man has successfully closed out on a shooter once this season. (laughs) And, I mean, you're laughing. I don't think this is funny. This is frustrating to me. This is really difficult for me, okay? Because I love Blake Griffin. I'm trying to ride for this dude. And then he goes out and he just can't. Basic-ass stuff. Like closing out onto shooters with your hand in the air without running past to the half-court line every single time. And he can't do it. I think he... I think... I legitimately think he cost the Pistons about 10 points in this game. With his just... And... Yeah. I mean, seriously. I think he did. And... With that, that's just such, against a team like this Celtics team, that they pass so well that they're going to make you close out successfully. And they make Blake Griffin do that. And he just simply cannot do it. It really is a glaring problem to me. And so, yeah, in the end, though, I had absolutely, I have no issues with the way Stanley Johnson played in this game. Uh, You'd like him to hit another shot or two. It would have been better if he hadn't turned the ball over a couple times that he did. But he played the right way. He attacked the basket. He made things happen on offense. And they stand no chance in this game if it's not for his defense because the rest of this team remains an absolute mess on defense. Uh, Andre Drummond is starting to, you know, that's not fair to say the rest of the team is an absolute mess. Um, I think Reggie Jackson has played pretty hard defensively. Ish Smith has also made a bit of a rebound from being terrible last year, sort of inexplicably. He's been not quite so bad, but even when those guys are playing pretty well by their standards, they're still like top out as being just kind of okay defensively. And Uh Andre Drummond is starting to get a little bit more comfort in terms of, he seems to be grasping where Dwayne Casey wants him to be on defense. I remain very much so on record is that I hate the defensive scheme that they're using Drummond as, you know, having him drop so back, back so far and such. But he does seem to be be getting a better grasp of it at the very least. So, but even with all that, Stanley Johnson is so far and away their best defender that (laughs) they're not in this game if it's not for that. So, yeah, I had no issues with the way Stanley Johnson played in this game. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not. I'm not one to discredit any kind of Stanley Johnson praise. I, hey, we can praise him to the cows come home. I, hey, it is what it is. I, I'd love to sit here and talk about Stanley in a good fashion. I just believe that, you know, like you said, he's just so far and away our better defender that 
his value tonight is just so was was so clearly seen because he was literally clamping up anybody that he got matched up with. It was just like if you just ever want to see someone just play defense, just watch Stanley Johnson play defense. And there was a stretch. Let me just say this because this was really pissing me off during the game. Like it really just made me pissed. There was a stretch in like the third quarter when Stanley got called for a foul. Oh on yeah, th- on like three straight inbounds. Like, it was no, absurd. Not straight inbounds on one possession, three straight. Just off the bat, off the bat, off. The, I swear, I feel like the refs had something against Stanley. Yeah. He was like what? Did you do you know what 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 possession I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, I saw it. That was absolutely absurd. He was like they were doing the inbounds, and he was on. I think he was on Kyrie. And they called, there was one of them that they called, like, before anyone even started moving. And it was just, yeah, that was bizarre. Yeah, and it, it like, put them, like, into the penalty, like, fast as hell. They were, like, in, I don't remember exact time, but they were in a, a, the penalty for a good chunk yeah. of the of the quarter, strictly because of that. And Greg Kelser was, like, we're picking up pretty, we're, we're getting some early fouls real quick here, like, back to back to back. And, you know, I don't know if it was because Stanley was drawing at him, because Stanley was, like, getting at the ref I, I, you could see it he was just he was in the ref's ear each time so maybe the ref was just like you know you keep talking to me i'm just gonna keep blowing this whistle i, I don't know what it was but it was absurd it just it, it kind of stopped him from playing physical there for a minute in that possession but outside of that i thought he was great defensively and like i'm saying the one thing i just i just don't think you can do when you're not as good offensively as stanley is as I, and you know me. I'm I'm Stanley's biggest defender. I think he has some things offensively that we can use, and everyone disagrees with me. I'm I'm his biggest defender when it comes to this. But when you're just not one of our best offensive players, you can't also have six turnovers on that end. That's that's just all. That's all I'm saying. I understand he's being aggressive, and trust me, if you're telling me that I'm either going to get that Stanley or the Stanley we saw at many points last year or in the past few years when he just like is so not aggressive, he just stands and you know, doesn't do much and because he's, like, either one, scared to do anything to mess up or two, is that's just how he's being told to play. I'd rather have this Stanley because you're right, aggressiveness is what we need. But you just can't, along with that, you can't have six turnovers in a close game like this nope, when you're not I don't. I don't care. I don't care. I literally do not <laughs> care that he had six turnovers, right? I've said uh, this. I've said this actually specifically pertaining to Stanley Johnson a lot. I've said it pertaining to Andre Drummond a bunch. If you make mistakes at full speed, I do not care. Just straight up. Because when you do it at full speed, you have to look at the bigger picture, okay? If Stanley Johnson plays like this, more nights than not, that's going to end up very positive for the Pistons. It still almost was a positive for the Pistons tonight. He just had a couple... If if two of those plays don't end up as turnovers, right? He doesn't get called for traveling on that one, and then we'll just say the one pass to Andre that Andre kind of had it nicked away. If instead Andre catches that and then dunks it, okay? This is a great game for Stanley then. Then he's got five assists, four turnovers, and he's got probably another two points because he doesn't get called for a turnover on that travel. And so then he's fine. And I just, mistakes at full speed do not bother me in the slightest. And for what it's worth, that's one of the things that can be a little bit infuriating about Blake Griffin at times is that he just he likes to go so slow when he posts guys up occasionally. It's just like, uh, you're just making problems for yourself, man. But no, I have absolutely, I do not care that Stanley Johnson had six turnovers in this game. It stinks, but he was still a plus on the court overall. 
and I will take this version of Stanley Johnson every day of the week and twice on Sundays. So, yeah, I don't care. I don't care that he had six. That's, that's, hey, fair enough. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. And the point to something you just said, um, I know on the last pod we talked, you talked about specifically, you know, you expect Blake to bounce back because he's a high IQ player, blah, blah. He's seen it before, blah, 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 all that. Uh, this game, it was pointed out during the on the broadcast, um, Blake was trying to go a little bit faster with his post-up because he yeah. knew that the slower he went, they were going to get the double there. So he was trying to go a little bit faster than that in the he, post-up. He got his mismatches immediately. He definitely, he definitely was ready for what the Celtics were going to throw at him this time. I think last game he just, it was something very different from what he had seen, and we've talked about that pretty ad nauseum, and also in my piece I talked about it. But I think he was very ready for it. So not only was he better about sort of being quick about attacking guys when he did have, like when he had Kyrie Irving on him or Gordon Hayward, he was better about being quick to go at it and not dicking around. But the other thing he did was he he was willing to sort of make his move further away from the basket. So sort of before they were able to send a double team at him and then they just fouled him and he was able to get shots up. So he was able to get eight free throws in this game and he hit all eight of them. And quite a few of those were on ones that were really, they were pretty far from the basket. So yeah, I thought that he, I did think, you know, for all the complaining I did about his, um, his closeouts, which that all still very much stands. I very much want to complain about his closeouts, but he did bounce back well in this game, and it was good to see that. Um, I mean, yeah, frustrating game, frustrating the way it ended. Uh, one thing that is worth noting: so Andre Drummond finished with 17 points. He only had 12 rebounds. I'm which. <laughs> Andre Drummond's the only person in the NBA who you go, well, he only had 12 rebounds. Blake Griffin had 15 rebounds. Andre only had eight defensive rebounds. He got four offensive rebounds, which is good. Blake Griffin had 15 rebounds. All 15 of them were defensive. So I would say that it's probably fair to say that it just was kind of luck that a good amount of the defensive rebounds bounced Blake Griffin instead of Andre Drummond. If that goes the other way he would have had a very good chance at another 20 rebound game in boston yeah so i just wanted to point blake that also out. just looked blake also just looked like really engaged in this game he looked like oh yeah he really for sure full time so yeah he looked like he was just attacking glass and just he was just really aggressive at all points he just looked like he really wanted it so i'm not surprised he had 15 boards yeah. and then the other thing with blake in this game um the regression continued he missed all four of his three pointers he didn't really get a good look from three i didn't think he had one yeah. He had one pull-up look that I think was pretty good in rhythm, but even that one, the one that was in some rhythm, that's still a tough look. So sort of big storyline from this game for the Pistons, and sort of important thing is that Reggie Bullock seemed to sort of um, finally find his find his shot. Um, he had 16 points. He went 3 for 7 from deep. He hit a couple of threes at the end of this game. He hit a couple of jumpers also from the mid-range. Uh, so really good to see that. Um, it was going to happen at some point. He's a good, too good of a shooter to miss shots forever. But you know, I'm not sure that there's any in-depth analysis needed there. But he got he started to hit his shots, and that's great. And that's going to really help the Pistons' offense going forward. Do you have anything you want to say about that, Koo? Mm, uh, not really. I mean, it was good that he started hitting the shots at the end. Uh, okay. Maybe just a little bit too late, obviously, because we've lost. But. 
it, it's a good thing to go into the next game and see his shots finally start to fall. And hopefully, there's him making the shots go a long way to the Pistons uh, getting even better and winning some games like this on, on the road against a good team. So, yeah, it's good to see him start making some, but just a little bit too late. Yep. Um, so to wrap up here, we're going to obviously, so the Pistons are going to be on a back-to-back playing against the Brooklyn Nets, which will be tonight at, what time is this going to be? Um, I presume it's going to be at 7.30, I think. Let me see. Um, yep, tonight at 7.30, it is in Brooklyn. Um, so yeah, so they're going to be playing the Nets. Uh, second time they played the Nets. First time it was, of course, opening night. The Pistons won a thriller. And the Nets are, they're pretty much the same team that they were when the Pistons first saw them, which is to say they're not that good. Um, Karis Levert has continued to look really good, which is a continuation from the way he looked against the Pistons. D'Angelo Russell has spent a lot more time playing off the ball. He's been pretty good at that. He's tearing it up from deep. He's shooting 47% from three right now, which is crazy. Uh, but this is a small team. They just do not have They don't have the talent on either end. They have enough offensive talent that they can score some points. But other than Jared Allen, they don't have a whole lot on the defensive end. So, you know, they've got some players. They're not going to be a total pushover, but certainly not a great team. And also the other thing is that It'll be important for the Pistons to win this game because after this game, they go to Philadelphia. So even though they should beat the Nets back-to-back, you never know what could happen. So you lose to the Nets, and then you go to Philadelphia, and there's a very real chance that you are now 4-4, and and that would obviously not be good. So this is an important game for them to win, I think, just to make sure that they don't go 4-4, and uh, you know, just because just from a mental perspective, I think that's important for them. So, yeah, anything you want to say about the Nets? Yeah, um, I actually just wrote an article at Piss and Potter. You know, go check that out real quick. But uh, I actually just wrote something there talking about how, uh, I believe it was dropped yesterday, saying that the Pistons are handling business. And even though we've lost these last two games to Boston, a good change for the Pistons that Pistons fans realize is that we're handling our business against teams we should beat. Like the first four wins... Everyone's talking about outside Detroit. They're saying, even people inside of Detroit, they're saying, you know, these guys were hurt. These guys weren't aren't that good anyways. You guys are being up on bad teams. And, yeah, that may all be very true. And it may be also be very true that we're not even close to Boston's league. That that also may be very true. But in the, in the Eastern Conference where you're fighting for a playoff berth like the Pistons are, you need to handle your business against teams that you are supposed to be. And that's what they've done so far this year. Small sample size, obviously, but they've done that so far this year. So I think this is just another good test, even though it's against the Nets team that, once again, is not that good. But, you know, on a back-to-back after a game that you just, you know, you could see everyone just poured their hearts out tonight. You had, like, the bench standing up for a good majority of the game. They were into this. They wanted this one after the blowout. They played hard. They really left it all out there. So on the second night of a back-to-back after a game like that, when you wasted a lot of energy there it'll be it'll be good to see the Pistons come uh tonight since we did this the night of the Boston game tonight um have them come out tonight and win and play well it'll be nice to see something we need to happen because like you said the schedule gets a little bit more tougher after this and you know if the Pistons continue to beat teams that they should be then we should be fine for the rest of throughout the season 
So I expect them to go out there tomorrow. Uh, you talked, you touched on this last time we played Brooklyn. Um, the Nets don't really have anybody that can guard Blake. So I don't know if we're going to see Jared Dudley on him again, like we did, yeah. like we did uh, the first game. But uh, they don't really have someone that can guard Blake. So I, I expect a big game from Blake again. Jared just, Dudley has started all seven of the Nets games, so that's Ooh, probably who, yeah. So that's probably who we're going to see. <laughs> Ooh, ouch. Ouch. So, so yeah, Blake I should have another. a Blake should have a grand old time again. Yeah, and also uh, Joe says something about a player that I enjoy watching. My man, D'Angelo Russell, has been playing pretty well as of late. Um, I know everyone probably remembers just from a couple nights ago that he was having a really good night against Golden State, I believe it was, and then threw the ball away on like the final possession, which sucks. And then he came down and lost. But, you know, he's been playing well of late. I like to uh, point those kind of things out for the guys I ride for. So, there's what it is. Yeah. Um, and then just one last thing I want to toss in here. Just because, obviously, they play another game tomorrow night. So, I don't want to forget about it, you know, talking about other games or whatever. Um, is that... So, we talked quite a bit about um, the lack of pick and rolls on the last podcast. I actually ended up titling the last podcast, Where Are the Pick and Rolls? They got back to that a little bit tonight, which was, or I suppose last night when this came out, against the Celtics. They got back to that a little bit in the second game, uh, which was really good to see. I'm still a little concerned by the fact that Dwayne Casey seems to believe that Reggie Jackson is better off essentially playing the two guard, because I would much rather have Reggie Jackson running pick and rolls than Ish Smith. But they did get back to the pick and rolls a little bit more tonight, and it worked pretty well for the most part, so that was good to see, uh, and it, it just sort of relieved some fears a little bit, um, and, you know, just for anyone who maybe saw Vincent Ellis talking to me, um, uh. I want to be clear that uh, when I when I say that I'm a little worried about something like that, I want to emphasize that with that sort of thing, that is just a little worried. You know, it is too early to be panicking about anything like that so if anyone thought that i was coming off as so uh no it was just uh yeah this is not great i think they should be running more pick and rolls but they came out tonight they did it more and i think that they were they benefited from it so yeah any last thoughts from you ku yeah i'm just gonna say i don't think anybody really thought joe was doing anything besides just you know engaging in conversation but i'll be it is what it is I like Vince. I'm not gonna say anything bad about Vince. I, I like won't say dude. nothing bad about Vince either. Vince is a good, a good follow. Provides plenty of information. It is what it is. I just, I, I just don't. I just think Joe was just trying to engage in conversation, and there was no need for the extra stuff. Yeah. Well, I will continue to say that you know what? Even though Vince can at times get a, a little bit snippy with people, certainly. Um, the reality is he interacts with people all the time, which is a positive. Even if he's going to be a prick to you sometimes, I'd much rather have one of those guys who's going to interact with you. And the other thing is that he's going to be able to give you actual answers um, yes. on Twitter. And even though, yeah, he was a little snippy with me, uh, if you wanted, I still honestly, because he knows, he's followed me for a while, we've interacted a bunch, so... He knows what I'm about, so I don't think he was actually really addressing the panicky stuff to me. Uh, but even if he was, the reality is he did give me an answer on the question that I'd asked, which 
is something that, you know what, in the end, that's what I wanted. So I'm just, yeah, I'm not worried about it. But just wanted to give some credit where credit was due. Also, I took a clip of it. It will be in the film review. There was a specific play tonight where for the first time this season, I was like, I really liked that play design. So we have oh, Dwayne oh. Casey, good play design, right? Oh, it was God. the It was the play where, so Reggie Jackson put a, um, he passed it to Blake Griffin in the post, and first say, Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond sort of set up a pick and roll, and then instead of running the pick and roll, they pass it into Blake Griffin, but Andre Drummond just rolled to the hoop, and Blake Griffin hit him with a pass. And I think, I don't remember if he dunked it or if he laid it in, but I really liked that play design. So, we have a successful Dwayne Casey play design. At the alarm. <laughs> Someone hit the alarm. Joe has given credit to Dwayne Casey on a play design, an in-game play. Well, it's someone hit the alarm. That's probably not going to happen very often because that man does not design very many creative plays. But I did like that. So, yeah, and we'll see you guys tomorrow again. Obviously, they play the Nets, so we'll be talking about make that. Make sure to subscribe. Yeah, make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever. And, uh, yeah, uh, stay beautiful, everybody, and go Pistons.